Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. Well, well, we're in the venue this week. I heard last week we were in the parking lot. I heard it was pretty legit, though. I heard it was hot. But it was hot. Um, How many of you have discovered that being under construction is a little less convenient than you thought? You had the blueprint for where you were going, and it was exciting, and you had the time frame and the plan, and, and you were ready, you know? And then you got hit with your first delay, (laughs) your first disappointment, and your first uh, something came back, and it was a little more expensive than you thought it was. I feel like, you know, the first thing I'd like to say is that's the case for us as a church, but that's a picture of for us as individuals. We're all um, being rebuilt, and what's what's interesting is it's not like the church that we were in wasn't functional or healthy or actually pretty cool. Like, it was probably my favorite campus. But we chose to break it (laughs) to build it better and bigger. It's a word right here, I'm telling you. (laughs) Sometimes the only way forward is to break something that's working (laughs) so you can rebuild it bigger. I'm grateful for a church that isn't satisfied ever, ever, ever. There's things in culture that need to be brought back down to ground level and rebuilt. We're going to talk about that this morning, but I want to speak to anybody in here who feels like you're in the middle of a construction project. I know me and Pastor Mike have been, and... um, Under construction, when your life's under construction, it can be really discouraging. And you could wonder, did I make the right decision? Um, You start wondering, is it worth it all? You start questioning things, okay, when you're being rebuilt and you realize how expensive and how much work it takes to actually deal with something that's keeping you from your next level. But I want to speak to anybody who's in the middle of construction on your life. Um, Keep going. Finish the project, okay? It's going to be worth it. Um, and you don't worry about necessarily tomorrow. Just, just get up today. This, you're in church today. You might be discouraged. You might be a little disappointed. You might be questioning whether or not it's worth it. it it's worth it. And you just need to get back up, okay? So is anybody, is, am I speaking to anybody in here that you'd, you know, you just, you've been feeling it a little, and no, 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 get back up. Okay. Amen. Uh, well, hey, I brought a couple things. I brought my Bible, and I brought my toothpaste. Step one, Rudy. I'll get into that. I'm not going to share it yet, hopefully. I didn't get to it in the nine, 
but I'm expectant. It's faith in this 11. It's toothpaste faith. And I brought my Bible, and I want you to know something about this Bible. Is It's not my preaching Bible. I don't, ha- I don't own a preaching Bible because I don't read the Bible to preach. This is my living Bible. This is what I use to live. My, my life needs this. My life needs this manual. My life needs to be filled with the power of God's Word. God's Word needs to be in my mouth. It needs to be in my heart, and it needs to be in my mind. And I, I brought it up here just to show you, but this is precious, precious to me. I'm not going to open it up for you, but I open it up for me. And my charge is you need a Bible that you read and that you value and that is your manual and is your, your foundation. And I did bring it up here, um, but we'll probably read off the screens. I'll tell you a funny story is it, I started off at the beginning of the year doing the Awakened Bible Plan, and I did pretty good for like 40 days. And then I just, I don't know what happened, like missed a day, missed a couple days, and, and I found myself um, inconsistent. And inconsistency is fine for a short season, but inconsistency is not healthy for a life. And so I just this weekend I was with some, well, well I thought they were my friends, but, uh, and we were getting back on the disciplines that over time are going to bring the results I want. You know what I mean? And I need the results of being in the word. I need it. I need it. Like I can't, there's too much on the line to be inconsistent in the most important thing in my life. There's too much at stake. Okay. And yet, that's how life hits you. Like, sometimes you get off of the most important things, not intentionally. And so I found myself this weekend. And Do you want to know what my friends thought would be a good consequence if I didn't follow through? You want to hear it? They thought I should grow the hair on my head. And remember, like, like it doesn't grow up here. They, I, th- I, I think they want me to fail, actually. They wanted me to grow like the horseshoe thing. That was like my consequence for not reading the word. I felt like I was back in Catholic high school, motivated by fear. Thanks, friends. I'm not going to call you out personally, but I do want you to know I've committed to that, so you, you will never see me with a horseshoe around my head, and therefore the word will be in my heart. Amen. Okay, well... We're in a city, or in a series, we are in a city, we're in a series called Bringing Joy into the City, right? There was great joy, Now that's a great hope and a great saying, and it sounds wonderful, but it's not like that easy. There's a process, you, you, have, to, you have to do certain things and set certain things up if you want the city to have joy in it, okay? And so I want to talk through the seven pillars of every city real quick, and then we're going to get into a couple of points on how you and I can be a vital instrument to bring joy and life back into this vital city. Sound good? Seven major pillars of every culture. Every city has these seven major pillars. The number one, number one pillar, the foundational pillar, believe it or not, whether it's in cities now or not, the number one critical foundational pillar of every city is the church. Now, Jesus said if 
we, his church, lose our saltiness. Salt loses its flavor. It's good for, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Welcome to religion in America or in American cities. Religion has no more influence. We've lo- because we abandoned our post to be influential, to be the critical voice, to be the critical pillar of culture, because we've stepped back from every other sphere, we've lost our influence, and therefore we're, we're disregarded. I just want you to know that. It, the church is not like the one that's consulted when we're building cities anymore. But we are getting back to the church being influential and critical and vital in every city. It is, whether the cities know it or not, the church is the voice of morality and health and life in every city. I want you to know you are in awakened church, okay? We aren't playing church. We're not a religious thing. We are the life-giving voice of hope and morality to our city. We're the foundation, and we know it. And therefore, we realize because we're vital, we're taking it seriously. You might think, wow, those guys are really serious about, yeah, we're, we're more serious than, than anything I've ever been serious about is building this because I care about the city. And I, how many of you know if you don't have a healthy foundation, good luck. Good luck. Second component of every city, every city, every city, the family unit. In fact, if you study the rise and fall of empires, you'll find a common thread on the fall of societies. And you know what it is. It's the disintegration, dismantling, or the improper valuing of the fundamental family unit. The moment you lose the family, you lose society. Have you discovered kind of a unique attack on the family? Have you just kind of noticed, like, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot. I mean, we're at a place now where you can have a real argument with somebody, a real argument that there are more than two genders. Like, like that is so crazy that we have fallen so far. You know why? Because the church has said, hey, there's a separation between uh, religion and society, And so because we've taken our morality out of the public square, out of the marketplace, out of all the spheres of culture, it's we what happens is when you take salt out of the equation, things start coming apart. Are you with me? Would you say things are appearing to come apart a little bit? And I don't just mean the small things. I mean the main things. If the family unit is the main thing, would you say that it's a bit under attack? Okay. And then you start to move into the marketplace spheres, which we, as Pathfinders, we spend a lot of time in, which are government and politics. Thank God we have Marco and Natalie Contreras here who are believing if I'm going to bring joy to the city, I might actually have to engage in the dynamics of the city council and the school board and state senate seats. We as church, listen, there, there is no separation. No, we're coming into every sphere of culture. I just want you to know that. Unapologetically, we are coming in to every sphere of culture. We will relentlessly and 
be called by God to take and impenetrate every sphere of culture because we love the city, we love the family, we love morality. The battleground for big ideas happens to be in the public square. So we love government, we love politics. We're aware that it's broken. But if we can put the right people into authority, the people, the city, rejoices. That's how you bring joy to the city. You put the right people in authority. You don't continue to step away from the critical places of culture and then think things will get better. You don't build a little holy huddle and and pray and hope everything gets better. Or even worse, pray that you get rescued from the planet. What? What? We're asking God for the courage and the bravery to step onto the battlefield, not to be rescued. Okay, politics, arts and entertainment, sports. We witnessed in the last couple weeks just the Oscars. I didn't know they were on until something dramatic happened, you know, because they've kind of lost their influence. I don't really care anymore. But there's a window of opportunity right now to retake the place of the arts. I'll tell you, God wants the arts. He's the artist. Are you telling me there's somebody more creative than God? Are Are you telling me that that's not part of his DNA? That he's a creator. He's known as the creator. He's a creative. Do you think he wants the arts in the hands of somebody that doesn't represent him? you think that bothers him? Do you think that, like, irritates him? That the most influential people on the planet, in the sphere of arts, hate him? Hate purity? Hate the family? Hate righteousness? pervert truth and then use all their influence to lure our next generation away from God and truth and health and vitality? What happens if we just continue to let that happen? I'm just saying, like 10 years from now, what if we decide as the church it's not our business to be in the arts? What are we really saying? We're advocating responsibility and saying, well, we'll just see what happens. We're too spiritual to be any earthly good. We should be so spiritual that we restore everything in the earth. That's really what it says about to be spiritual. It says those who are spiritual actually restore things, actually fix things. I'd love, uh, real quick, you know, we just saw that video for, for Hero. Oh, seriously. Like, I'd love uh, Annika and Josh, if you guys could just stand up real quick. Come on, can we give it up? The director of Twisted the Musical and Hero, and I want you to hear something real quick. I I love that it's a place you can invite your friends. Invite them. I love it's a place where we'll see hundreds and hundreds of people come to know Jesus. We will. We will. But but there's way more on the line. The art... the most influential sector in culture is the arts and entertainment. And we have to be pushing the boundaries on excellence. We need a holy obsession to retake the arts. Could you put your hands out with me towards Annika and Josh? God, we prophesy 
Uh, here's what I see. This particular season's been particularly difficult. And you've questioned things. Am I the right person? Should it really be this hard? Are we off on something? And I'm going to tell you right now, oh, no. The difficulty is an indicator of the treasure on the other side. Of the, of the, of the battle is the indicator of, of the reward. And, the, the, and I just prophesy over you, not just you, but your whole team. But I see you as a carrier of a spirit of winning, a spirit of perseverance, not just a creative, you're a natural-born creative, but I see a fight and a fire coming on you and coming on this team. And I, I place in you a holy obsession to take the arts, to push the boundaries of the arts. And we need the arts, and we just say, God, put your power. Prosper. Prosper Awaken Theater. Prosper it. Take it places it's never gone. Let us push through the boundaries. Let us level up like never before. In Jesus' name, Amen. Give it up for what God's doing at Awaken Theater. Hear me. At Awaken, we won't stop until the arts are ours. No, 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 we won't. We're not putting plays on. We're taking the territory of the arts. It's our territory. God wants it, and we're coming for it. Yes. We also want the media. We want education. What if we decide to step out of education for another decade? What kind of, I didn't know there was even more degradation possible. I didn't know it was possible to be teaching kindergartners transgender values. I didn't know that we could ever possibly get there. But it's, it's, it's only because we've retreated. We said the schools aren't ours. They're not our responsibility. Is this okay that we wake up? That we come, we're not a woke in church. Like, we're awake and engaged. It's all right. I feel a little, feel a little passion in here. It, it's not just that you have permission to be a teacher. You're mandated to educate. You're mandated to go into this space. You're man it's a mandate. We, we have to influence. We, we have to disengage from protecting ourselves from the big bad devil in the big bad world. And we have to engage in the cause we're on the planet to fulfill. Right. And then economics is a whole other animal. Prosperity is not something we preach. Prosperity is if you don't prosper... You have no influence. If the righteous do not prosper, we lose everything. It's not about having nice stuff. It's about being in a position to determine what's right and wrong in culture. It's about being in a position where we get to look after the less fortunate. It, it's a mandate. I know this isn't your traditional Sunday church. No, we're not. We're not in normal times either. We're not. We're, these aren't normal times. These are times where the church has to be engaged in culture. We need to be courageous and fearless and wise and winning. I happen to think, I, I happen to think, in dark days and chaotic days, is where God is the most powerful. I'm just telling you, 
It's days and hours like we're in right now where you have the opportunity to see God move in power. You do, you do, you do. Not, not if you're on the back foot, not if you're retreating, not if you're disengaging from the real issues. That's not where he is. But if you will happen to show up on the battlefield of culture like David, do you wonder why he was his favorite? Not because he was perfect, because he was engaged in the battle that, was, that mattered to God. Okay, well, we might not get to the toothpaste again. The name of uh, this message is City Vitality and Vital Cities. City Vitality. Vitality is health optimization. You and I living a life that God engineered us for that's potent and powerful. We're created to experience God's he, he made us in his image. Now, we might, he might have found us in dysfunction, or maybe we found him in our dysfunction, but his design and plan for us is not to just forgive us from all the stupid things we've done, and listen, I lead that charge. But I, I thankfully, it didn't end with me just being forgiven and having my slate wiped clean so I could walk into heaven because of what Jesus did and how much he forgave me. But God did not, he wanted a far more than that. The joy set before Jesus when he took his place on the cross and took the beating for us wasn't just that we're with him in heaven, is that we were brought back into the engineering God originally wired us to be. He made us in his likeness. We're supposed to function, we're supposed to work, we're supposed to be healthy. And so the process of awaken is we're going to take you out of, we don't care where you've been. We don't really care. We don't care what, where, where you find God. We don't really care where you are on the spectrum, but I just want to tell you where you're going. You're not just going to heaven. You're going into a place where your life works, where there's function and health and fruitfulness, where you're actually a blessing to the world. That's where we're going. That's who we are as a church. So are we ready? Okay. So the first, well, let me just read a couple scriptures. I'll try to get through these. We're going to start now. We're going to start in Isaiah 61. Great scripture. But let's give a little context. Jesus just comes out of the wilderness, realizes it's his time. And that's right there. You need to know it's your time. It's not time to wait anymore. It's, this is your time. I just want you to know, like, that's a word for this campus and for you specifically. It's your time. It's your time. It's your time. And he, he realizes it's his time, and it's first time he opens the word of God in the synagogue. This is what he reads. Let's go. Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Quick teaching on anointing. Anointing isn't just what you feel when you're in a service and somebody prayed for me and, oh, my gosh, I felt the Lord. It, it, it's, that's not the anointing. The anointing is the power of God for the assignment you've been given. That's all it is. Like, does, there's a lot of different assignments. We just, we just mentioned seven different spheres of culture. Sometimes the anointing looks a little different. If you're going into business or you're going into the arts or you're going into education or, yeah, we need powerful preachers like Pastor Katie and, and Mike and, and uh, the missionary to the Pacific Islands, Rudy. <laughs> we need that grace. 
But I don't know about you, we need grace for more than preaching. Grace for more than worship. We need the anointing for what are you assigned to do. See, Jesus knew that he came with an assignment, and he knew he had power to accomplish it. That's the anointing. You know, that's the thing we're going to get you on the, on the if, if I really want to talk about it. Yeah, you're coming out of forgiveness, where that's what mercy is, not getting what you deserve. Massive mistakes, generational issues that are on you, and mercy says, I'm taking that prize. You don't, you're not getting what you deserve. But grace is getting what you don't deserve. The power of God released over you. So we're not just getting you healthy, we're actually getting you empowered. The anointing should be on your life in greater and greater measure so that you can fulfill the assignment on your life. If you want to hunger for anything, hunger for the power of God so you can fulfill your destiny on this earth. And I'm telling you, where he's sending you, you need his power. Yeah, the mission you're on, you can't do it in your own strength. Now, you can't do it in dysfunction, but you can't just do it in your own healthiness either. Your healthiness needs to be married to his power. That's how we get the the job done. This is a church of power. I want you to know that. We don't pray in the spirit because it's spiritual. We pray in the spirit because it's an indication of the power of God. The power of God is not to be weird or to feel things. The power of God is to get business done. The power of God is to get business done. Okay, first point, well, oh, no, 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 no. We just got, we didn't even get through the, I, <sighs> Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. <laughs> oh, shoot, what's good news to the poor? You're fed? Good news to the poor is we've broken the cycle of poverty. And you can now supply for your, those that are important to you. you. You now have the resource to meet needs, and you're no longer needy. You're no longer dependent. That's, good news for the poor isn't that you have a program that pays for me. Good news for the poor is you've broken my need for that. I just understand. like Jesus came to do this. Anywhere the gospel goes, it breaks poverty. It does. It's, it's an, one of the indicators of the true gospel is it breaks poverty. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. The day that God deals with his enemies. You know there's a day that God deals with his enemies? You know that we have just crossed into an hour where God is looking to deal with his enemies. You know, 440 years to the day, God brought his fists down on Egypt and dealt with his enemies. You know, all throughout history, God has looked for people who will be instruments for what he wants to do. This is an hour where God wants to destroy evil. He just needs, he needs somebody to participate with him in that activity. Just want you to know, we're in that day. The sons of Issachar, they knew the times and the seasons, and they knew what to do. 
Be aware that God is looking to and throw. The eyes of the Lord look to and throw throughout the whole earth, looking, who can I show myself strong on behalf of? The way that you see God strong on your life is when you take up his cause. And you say, God, what are you wanting to do right now? He's like, I have enemies. I have things that need, I'm done with the wicked uh, running the things. I'm done with that. I need somebody who will rise up against that. That's why the Bible says 365 times, be strong and courageous because you're going to face things that intimidate you. You tracking with me? God wants to put his power on you. It's just not what you thought it was for. It's not so you feel good and speak in tongues only. It's so that you're effective. I'm just telling you, I feel, listen, understand, I know I'm put on this planet to preach, and, and I love the anointing, and stuff, but this is different. Like, there's something going on right now that's putting a demand on you to get your hand up and your heart engaged in the work of God. This isn't the bless me club, and I know we're in, you know, Eastlake, and it's like we're all kind of like, you know, winning, and it's, 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 it's a, it is. It's a bit of a prosperous community, and we love that. But your prosperity isn't for you. I'm sorry, it's not. It's not for you. Your prosperity is to get to work. I'm telling you, man, your prosperity is not for you. It's not for you to have another vacation. Yeah, have one. But but the purpose of your life is to engage in the battle of God for the hour we're in. It is. Let's give God a hand. He's doing something. He's doing something at Eastlake Campus. He's rebuilding us for something bigger, something significant. He wants the city. Okay. To all who mourn in his rule, he'll give a crown of beauty for ashes and joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In our righteousness, remember we're talking about the conversion of God from taking us from broken and dysfunctional. This is what he wants to do with us. This is why he came, okay? In their righteousness, they will be, we will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his display, his glory. So in other words, God wants us to represent him Okay, as a planting of the Lord. And this is what it says. This is the whole reason I chose this scripture was for this. Um, we, or he's talking about us, those that carry the spirit that, that Jesus came to put in us. Okay, remember, he didn't come to forgive us. He came to change our DNA. He's the second Adam. Remember that. So we were born into the first Adam, which is dysfunction, rejection, fear. He's, he's also called the second Adam which brings us back into the original intent of God. So he's talking about us operating from that spirit. We rebuild ancient ruins and repair cities destroyed long ago. We will revive them, though they've been deserted for many generations. That's why we're here. Amen? Okay. Somehow, some way, we're going to get through these four points. And maybe brush our teeth. Number one, God is restoring city vitality. 
Yes, yes. Now, please understand, God needs cities to work because most of the dysfunction that are in his children, which he loves very much, come because cities are broken. Most of the fallout is because cities don't work, because the church hasn't engaged properly, or we've just been religious, okay? Or family. I don't know about you. Most of the dysfunction in my life has come from my family, (laughs) you know? Like, most of the distrust issues I have, most of the the rejection issues I have, most of the ceilings and the limitations that come from my generations. And so God is into restoring cities because when cities function, there's less fallout. Yes, we are always going to be on cleanup duty. Yes, we will always be restoring broken people. We always will. But what if we could fix the systems so they don't break as many people? Okay, so God is... Restoring city vitality. He's also rebuilding vital cities. So, is there biblical precedent for city taking and city rebuilding? I don't know. We sing, I'm calling on the God of Jacob. What if I decide to call on the God of Nehemiah? Who lived in, I think he lived in Bonita or Eastlake. He was pretty posh, sipping wine. He was the king's cupbearer, suffering for Jesus in the Pacific Islands. But he was brokenhearted over the condition of a vital city called Jerusalem. And he left comfort for cause. He used his influence not for his own comfort. He used his influence to leave his comfort to fulfill his cause, because Jerusalem is a vital city. How about David? Look at David. We call on the God of David because I got my own giants. But you know what happens when you deal with your own giants? You graduate to God's giants, and you start fixing things that are city-oriented. What if we could move beyond personal issues? What it, could it possibly be that we're here for more than our own personal health and vitality? What if we actually became instruments of fixing things in the city? Or far be it from us actually take cities. You remember before Jerusalem was broken, it was taken by David. Remember the Jebusites? Blind and the lame will keep you out. You'll never come in here. That's what it's like going into politics right now, huh? You have this intimidating voice. You'll never break in to the school board. You'll never break into the city. This is California. You'll never take us. I don't have a problem with unbelievers believing that. I have a huge problem with believers. Huge problem with believers that don't believe they can take cities. I have a major problem with that. Where is your faith? What God are you believing in? The God of the rescue? Ah. Or the God who's called you? So David would walk by that city every day, and he probably felt intimidated. In his own power, he probably didn't have the ability to take Jerusalem. They probably had a couple of points. They had a history. I don't know. 
But somehow, he just continued to ask God for the ability to take a vital city. I think this is a vital city we're in. I think, as I'm even here in this um, amazing campus, I think Eastlake is a vital area of the city. I'm privileged to work with business leaders, some of the strongest business leaders in our whole church are at Eastlake. I'm just telling you, like, something special is in the water here. It is. I'm just telling you what I see. I'm not just, like, trying to make you feel good. I'm saying there's something special. This is a vital part of San Diego and a vital part of Awaken. All right, we got to keep moving. Next thing is God is an encourager of vitality. We're going to get to the toothpaste. We're going to do it. We're going to get to the toothpaste. I only brush my teeth with Colgate toothpaste. (laughs) Because I'm a man of honor. And I happen to love William Colgate. William Colgate moved here with his father in the late 1700s. William Colgate's father was a sympathizer with the, the, the colonies that wanted freedom from the king. So anytime you're a colony, you're, you're, you're representing um, England at the time. And William's father represented freedom, and he, and he was persecuted greatly, even though he was very successful and political in England at the time, because he agreed with the freedom of the United States. He was persecuted, so he left and went to New York with his son, William. They started a company in New York that failed. Wow. Don't you want a story that you start something and it just works the first time? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody tells those stories. I just want you to know, if you have a life that just works, number one, I I can't stand you because I can't relate to that. Like, I can relate to difficulty, I can relate to pain, I can relate to failure. Don't, don't come at me with like, I, everything I do works, because I can't relate to that. So William, okay, it's funny, the, this is what I call obsession, by the way. Obsession is passion that's been purified by pain. So the pain and the disappointment of the loss um, the dream didn't die in William. It took a big hit. I'm sure there was a winter season where he felt like it was probably dead, but there's always a springtime, just so you know, like spring comes, and, and he felt again, like, I, I just, I don't know, maybe I just need to do it in another city. So he's on a boat on his way to um, Boston, and he happens to get the boat driver, would be like a modern-day Uber driver, okay? He gets in the vehicle of transport, that's taking him from where he was to where he was going. And while he's there, the, the canal Uber driver asks him, what are you doing? What's your story? Why are you going to New York? He's like, I have a dream. I want to be a soap maker. At the time, soap was like an important, not super sexy, but important. Some businesses aren't super sexy. They're just important. You're just meeting everyday needs, you know what I mean? But he had a dream. He had a dream to be a soap maker. And guess what? They don't record who the guy's name was, that, whose Uber he got into, but they record that he was a Christian. 
And here's what he told young William Colgate. Somebody needs to be the greatest soap maker in New York. I think it should be you. Let me just give you two bits of advice, young William. Honor God. As you build the greatest soap business in New York, as you build a company that's going to employ thousands and thousands of people, as you rise to being prosperous and become a blessing to the city, always honor God. That's what he said. This is what this Uber driver told William on his way to New York. He says the second thing, do everything with integrity. Do everything with integrity. But here's what I want to hear is we're supposed to encourage winning. And you're going to find that here. When you come in here, you're going to have some dreams that are dormant in your heart. And here's what you're going to hear from us. I think you got this. I think you can do this. I think that's from God. But let me just give you two bits of advice. Honor God all along the way. Do it the right way. Encourage vitality. And then finally, we're done here. Pastor Mike, I want to, I'm going to have him up, come up and close the service in just a quick second. Final point. Prosperity is vital. Now, vitality is what we're after. But when you're checking for life, you're looking for what kind of signs? Vital signs. Critical signs of life. Hear me. Prosperity is vital. It's, it's not negotiable. It's not, it's not like, ah, eh, it's kind of cool. I don't know. I'm not really into that. No, 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 no. no you you got to hear me. You have to change the way you, you hear and think. You, you cannot have, you cannot be indifferent. You can't be indifferent about prosperity. Prosperity is a vital sign. It's vital. Let me prove it to you. Last two scriptures. And we're going to have your amazing campus pastor come up and bring this bad boy home. First one's Proverbs eleven, ten. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're after the city, right? Is it vital then that the righteous prosper? What if we don't? What if we don't call it vital? Do we lose the city? Do we lose influence over the city? So is prosperity vital? I mean, you having an extra house might not be vital, but you winning big for the sake of the city is vital. Prosperity is vital. Second scripture. Psalm 35, 27. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. The Lord who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, hear me, hear me, hear me. You, you got to realize, like, I'm like you. I'm walking in fresh ideas and, and just like you. Like, I get in, even this morning, I'm just like, wow, I'm seeing things better, clearer. Sometimes you see new things. Sometimes you see something you've always seen clearer or further. I'm seeing prosperity like I've never seen it before. 
See, I first had to come into an awareness that I'm God's son and he loves me. But I'm beginning to realize God delights in the prosperity of his servant. Remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah took on the cause of God, so therefore God prospered Nehemiah. The secret to prosperity isn't asking God to bless our stuff. The secret to prosperity is discovering how do I serve him? How do I give my life to his cause, his righteous cause? How do I position myself to be his servant, to fulfill his initiatives in the earth? He prospers those that take up his cause. Hey, I love you guys. God bless you. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.